Good morning. We are fired up today. It's the donut holes coursing through people's veins. Appreciate y'all coming out before the sun came out. I know you had to leave your house before the sun came out. You had to get ready when it was raining, thinking, I don't know, it's raining. Grateful for y'all coming to worship today. We've got a number of announcements uh, before we start with worship, and I'm going to ask for your attentiveness because each of them are important. Um, It's that time of year, uh, just like the school year, where you have a number of things going on. Number one, we have exploring membership classes today. We have it on the first Sunday every month. It's an opportunity for you to learn more about Memorial and what we believe, why we do what we do, and how you can become involved. Normally, we are in the social hall, which is between these two buildings. And in fact, for a month, I've been saying we'll be in the social hall. Today, we're going to be in here. And that's because we're having a reception uh, in the social hall after 11 o'clock worship, and they are prepping for it. And so I want you to, if you want to learn more about Memorial, I want you to stay in here. We'll find a seat, and uh, we'll learn more about each other. You can learn more about the church. That leads to my second thing. We have a reception for Lauren Pinkerman today. Lauren was our, has been our choir director for just about a year in traditional worship, and he, is, uh, he retired before that, and he is retiring again, and I believe he will retire for good. He's served us well, so if you would like to um, thank him and be, I know, I know you're at the 9 o'clock service, but if you happen to um, stick around, we, welcome, we hope you'll come to the social hall uh, directly following 11 o'clock worship. Uh, we continue our mission and outreach series today. In each Sunday for two months, we uh, emphasize a particular group outside our church that's in the local community that is serving the church. And today, your, your own uh, Don Lewis is going to speak today on the Greer Soup Kitchen and the scripture and everything that we do will be based on uh, the mission of that group. Uh, we have a Relay for Life update. Um, Relay for Life was our uh, topic, I believe it was two weeks ago. And today is an, an opportunity for you to turn in a donation and request for a luminary. Uh, so that they can be prepared for the 13th event. They are in a form in, uh, if they're not in this simple bulletin, they are in the traditional bulletin, no question, and we have plenty of those if you want to go by the sanctuary and get one. These luminaries will be along the track at the Relay for Life. It's a powerful image and uh, uh, prayer blessing for them. The Bible study tonight would normally be in the social hall, but we have a, um, uh, we've had a death in the community and Woods cannot host the visitation for that person. And so we are going to host it for them in the social hall. And so the Bible study will be as it's been before when something's in the social hall in the Adults Unlimited class, which is just up there. There's a stairwell there. And you can join them in Adults Unlimited uh, tonight at 5.15 p.m. Um, Adam Wycliffe takes pictures and video for our church. He does a thousand things for us. And if you missed your opportunity for a photo directory, we invite you to see him. He can take your picture. Uh, He will uh, not encourage you to do this or turn your head or do any of that stuff. He's just going to line you up. You can take your picture. It's going to be a very simple picture, and that will be in our directory. You know why that's important in our directory? Because um, my secretary, Beth, will tell me something about a person, and I'll go, and I'll look at it on my phone, and I'll see that person's face. I'll see that person's face. That's a big deal. Um, so if you did not get a chance to be in the pictorial directory, make sure that you um, take a picture with Adam. 
Every week we give people the opportunity um, to participate in the service by giving us prayer concerns. These concerns are read aloud during the service and they are also used by the prayer group on Tuesdays to pray for our community. And if you would like that, if you'll please raise your hand and if they bring you a card and you would like one, please just print and print so very legibly uh, so that it's very easy to read. Um, and we will pray for you during the service and on Tuesday. And speaking of prayer, I'm going to call up Paige, Kathy, Joanne, Carol, and Ann. If y'all come forward. This group is uh, representing our church at the... Uh, y'all going to go way over there? Come over here. Uh, they're representing our... Oh no. um, they're representing our church going to uh, the Redbird Mission, and they will be uh, joining with Aldersgate to do a number of projects uh, helping people in that community. They're leaving today, and they're coming back Saturday. next Saturday. Uh, Daryl has put the whole group together, but uh, Daryl is just crushed by uh, allergies and sinus infection and is unable to come, so if you can pray for Daryl's deep disappointment and, prayer for, and pray for this group's uh, safe travel, great mission, and great fellowship time. If you'll join me in praying for them. Dear Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be in mission. We thank you for the talents uh, that you've given each of these people. We thank you for uh, the opportunity to travel, to uh, be in fellowship, to serve uh, other people, to serve them in your name, to be in mission and service. Uh, one of the vital, vital parts of this life in the church. We ask that you uh, give this group safe travel, uh, bless their meals in the hands of prepare it, and bless their um, interaction with the people that they serve. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, y'all have a safe journey. I believe that's everything. Let's begin our service. And then worship with us, please. Here I am to bow down Here I am to say that 
Would you please pray with me? Dear God, we thank you for this day. Um, thank you that the sun is now coming out. Um, thank you for allowing us to all gather here today. We pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds so that we could receive um, Joe's message today and worship you. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Children, come up for Children's Church. few Sundays, Pastor Joe, he's had some special guests up here that have talked to us, and they've talked to us about local places in our community that help people, and he's told us about ways we can get involved. That's pretty cool. Those organizations help people who are sick, who don't have enough food to feed their family, and others who are going through a hard time. Do you know what Jesus said in Matthew 25 about helping people who are in need? He said, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. God loves it when we show love to others and serve each other with willing hearts. 1 Peter 5.2 says, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them. Not because you must, but because you are willing as, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. When we serve somewhere or serve other people, we should do it because we want to please God, not because we have to. So there's lots of ways we can serve in the community and at church. And each of us are given gifts and talents that are special to us and um, ways that we can serve. It's kind of like a tool in a toolbox. Each tool has a different thing it does. Like if my glasses, my cool glasses, were broken, would I use this hammer to fix them? Or would that make them more broken? Would it make them more broken? You don't think that would fix them? I thought it would. So the church is kind of like God's toolbox. God has a lot of jobs to do, and he's given the people in his church different gifts and talents. So we're, we're like his tools. Isn't that pretty cool? Some of you might be hammers. Some of you might be really good at fixing stuff and breaking stuff when we have to fix something because that's fun. The demolition is always the best part. Some of us, he's given musical talent so he can lead worship, like Miss Cindy, and she helps us on Sunday nights. 
And some people are really good at teaching, like your Sunday school teachers, who always have a super fun lesson for you in Sunday school. So, that's pretty cool, right? Maybe, kind of, sort of. <laughs> okay, will you bow your heads and pray with me? And then I have a hammer for you. Lord, we thank you that you have given us each special abilities to do the things for you and serve the people around us. We pray that when you need us, we will be ready and willing to do what you need us to do. Amen. there was a list of things that you should not hand me in reality, it would be a hammer. That would be on the list. <laughs> nothing, nothing good has ever happened. Someone's handed me a hammer. Um, each week I've mentioned to you that um, throughout these two months hasn't been my expectation that you've, you will say, you know what, I'm going to give five hours each to each of these eight service agencies uh, that we've brought up each week. My hope is that you'll learn more about them there might be something that you've assumed that might not be right. There might be a way that you can uh, not help with last week's uh, mission group, not help with next week's mission group, but this particular group sticks out to you, and uh, we want to emphasize uh, each one in the community. So I'm going to call Don up. He's going to talk about the Greer Soup Kitchen. So, a 30-something-year-old guy looks out in his backyard, sees a guy eating out of his garbage can. He lived in downtown Greer. He said, there's something wrong about somebody eating out of my garbage can. Meanwhile, a 60-year-old guy, member of this church, felt a calling, a strong calling, that nobody in a town as successful as Greer should be hungry or starving. Those two men met and in 1992 opened the Greer Soup Kitchen. Now most of us have just gotten done dealing with our government, turned in tax forms, and we know what our family income is. The family income of the Greer Soup Kitchen is $115,000. With that income, we feed 140 plates a day, so a family of 140 on an income of $115,000 a year. And I ask you, is that not miraculous? How do you feed 140 plates a day on $115,000? And here's how. There are over 500 volunteers who help at the Greer Soup Kitchen. They gather food, they, some of them come on weekdays and help out on specific weekdays. Some groups come in on weekends and bring their own food and make it a group event. Families come in. My family grew up working at the, the Greer Soup Kitchen. It's a wonderful place for you to come and witness a miracle by helping feed people face to face. How else does it happen? We have two part-time employees. Two part-time employees. It is miraculous. Let me talk about stewardship for a minute. 
You want to volunteer at some place that tithes? We do. We're the only one I know of. You want to volunteer at some place that has good stewardship? Check out the state of uh, South Carolina Secretary of State website where they name angels and Scrooges every year. You're an angel if you're a 501c3 who gives more than 80% of your stuff to services. Angel at 80% or higher. Daily Bread Ministries is 99.3%. When you make a donation to Daily Bread Ministries, it's almost all gone into services. So how does Daily Bread Ministries fit into this tapestry that Joe is putting up in front of you every Sunday? Well, Daily Bread Ministries has been the Greer Soup Kitchen since 1992, and it's the only place that serves a hot meal daily, 365 days a year. Greer Community Ministries is primarily Meals on Wheels. Greer Relief is primarily a walk-in services organization that does lots of things for people who come and ask for help. Daily Bread Ministries, operating the Greer Soup Kitchen, is the only 365-day-a-year hot meal place that you can go in and get, a food, get food, no questions asked, not eat out of a garbage can. Kids can work in there. Families can work in there. You can do all kinds of ways to get involved with this thing if you'd like to. And, and, and we, we think that, as a guy who's been serving on Daily Bread Ministries board for some time, we think that this uh, church is one of the cornerstones of Daily Bread Ministries because the founder came from here. Many of us who, who go here have worked there for years. And I praise God that this place has taken up this mission to make sure that people won't go hungry and greer. Now, one of the things about seeing people in this condition is you see early on families, children who don't have enough to eat, children who come home on Friday and get free food at school and then don't get any on the weekend. You see this. And you see families getting out of vans with nowhere to live. So we're about to experience a dream come true and coming soon to a pulpit near you is a story about Greer Step, a shelter, a family shelter that's being run by Daily Bread Ministries. And you'll hear about more of that later from Bob McQuaid. Thank you. Thanks for letting me talk about something I'm passionate about. Some people say the words they're passionate about a thing, and then some people show you without having to tell you that they're passionate about that thing. Don, thank you uh, for participating in uh, what we're talking about. He'll be speaking at 11 o'clock, too. And if you have any questions, please make sure you find him. He's here all the time in worship. We have um, multiple prayer concerns that we want to lift up. Carl and Denise Smith, Martha Bennett, Bob McQuaid, Amy Lakin, and her child that's awaiting heart open heart surgery. Let us pray. <coughs> Gracious God, we heard overnight of the tremendous power of your creation and how it has great beauty but can also be uh, quite devastating. We see such strength in the mountains that surround us, but we see such weakness in our friends and family and loved ones that surround us. Knowing that you created it all, we are grateful 
knowing that that fragility can lead to illness, we occasionally can be angry or sad or in great despair. We thank you this morning for dedicated people in the medical field that have poured their hearts into education and service to those who desperately need them. We're grateful for people who have dedicated their entire lives to research that may find one thing in a 40-year career that could change the course of a sickness. We thank you for communities in this church family that surrounds one another and people far outside this church because, the, because we know that's what you would have us to do. And as we read your text today, as we come to your table today, as we sing your lyrics today, open our hearts and minds to a new word of loving care and embrace of the people around us. Inspire us this morning, Lord, with the prayer your Son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Today we're using the text that you find on, believe on the sign of the Greer Soup Kitchen, which is Matthew 25 starting with verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on His right and the goats on His left. Then the King will say to those on His right, Come, you who are blessed by My Father, take your inheritance the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Here's the first phrase I want you to notice. The places that we picture God. I think people think of massive places. Things beyond our comprehension. Beautiful places. Things in the kingdom of God that we can't quite fathom. Movies, books, Bible studies, sermons have tried to describe them best we can. But it's like trying to describe anything before you've actually seen it. It's a difficult prospect. But I want you to look at two images. Nature, creation, beginnings, endings, these images really help us capture God. The first one is of the Rocky Mountains. This is in Westcliff, Colorado. And I was there about a year ago this uh, week. I was there right before I came here. A dear friend of mine has a minister in his uh, distant family in the Midwest, and he's gone out to Westcliff and built a little cabin into a slightly bigger cabin in which five very large males inhabited for one full week. But we were in Westcliff, and uh, you know every Western movie I've ever seen that my dad was falling asleep to in his chair and that I've continued on that tradition. It's just this tiny little town with a couple storefronts 
and the most massive mountains behind it you've ever, I've ever seen. Just stunning and beautiful. 7,867 feet above sea level. That's the road, much less what's above it. Let's look at the next picture. The Dead Sea, Judean Desert, elevation minus 1,400. So full of salt and minerals, nothing living can exist in it. And when you jump in it, you float naturally. You don't have to swim. Um, swam in it. And being in the mountains in Westcliff and in the water in the Dead Sea, you can see the drastic differences in God's creation just around the earth from one another. Some of these places could be uh, angels, the throne of God, singing and harps and choirs that are beyond our imagination. We think, God, I don't even know what any of that is. And being on this side of it, it's hard to picture it. One thing I noticed reading the text this time, it says all the nations were gathered and he divided the people. Did he divide them by nation? Didn't divide them by nationality. He's going to divide them on a very simple principle. The next phrase I want you to notice is the Son of Man. This is a code phrase. When Jesus is referred to as the Son of Man, there's different emphases on who Jesus is and what He's up to. When He's referred to as the Son of Man, it's talking about His humanity. Jesus was a human being who knew suffering, who knew hunger, who knew thirst, who knew fatigue, who knew pain and sadness and loss. Isn't that important to know? Um, in undergrad when uh, I was a junior and we were making the freshmen do push-ups or run laps or jump over that thing one more time, it was never that we were standing over here going, go jump over that thing. You go do that. We were always leading them there. We knew what it was like. We knew how hard it was to jump over that thing. We knew how hard it was to jump in the pluff mud and do the obstacle course backwards because we were doing it with them. It's important to note that Jesus was a human being who knew what it was like. David Lose is one of my favorite commentators on Scripture. I want you to look at a quote from him. God didn't come to reign over humanity at Athens or Rome or any of the other major cities where one would expect God to arrive, but rather God came to identify with us by being born in lowly Bethlehem in the form of a vulnerable infant. So if you put those two images that we had before in the majestic nature of God's creation, and you put that against the phrase, the Son of Man, you've got two things juxtaposed against one another. The Son of Man coming to understand us down here, right where we are. Verse 35 says, For when I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat, I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. In a way, it's escalating. These increasingly difficult things 
He's saying, you people were there with me in your service. So this is the next phrase. The places God pictures us. So we have all kinds of images where we picture God, but God has an image for us, a place where God wants us to be. And it's important to emphasize it as often as possible because we want to reinforce this theory. Humans can be prone to seek significant places with significant people. That's kind of what we want to be a part of. We want to do something that matters, and we want to be around people that matter. We want to matter, both now and in our legacy. And we're prone to think the most important people and the most important places are the ways to get to the things that matter. This is the season that ministers are finding out where they are going. In fact, they've, in fact it's been announced by now. This is the season in 2015 where my mind was spinning about 1,500 RPMs. Wait a minute, is that a lot? 3,500 RPM. It was red. It was redlining. And I was thinking, um, okay, I've got um, six weeks. I need to tie some double knots and stuff. But I'm going about to lose my mind thinking about the things that we need to do going up the road. Ask me how many times I came up 29 and went down Main Street and then went out Riverside High School and back home. The answer is how many days were there between the day that I found out and the day that I arrived. One time a day, I believe. That's the nature of moving somewhere close to where you were. If you're four hours away, if your move is four hours away, you don't do that. You only do it like every other day. <laughs> this close, you come all the time. This is also the season that ministers wonder how significant they are based on the place that they're going. It's the time that churches wonder how significant they are based on who's coming. It's a time when we can get supremely distracted from what the point is and what we're supposed to be doing because we're human. You know, as Jesus is walking along with those guys and saying, Jerusalem's going to be really hard, but I'm committed to going. But when I go, I'm going to be tried and crucified. When I'm crucified, I'm going to die and I'm going to be raised. And just back here, five, six yards back, Wonder which one of us is the greatest? You think you, which one? Which thing do you think is the most important? I'm a best teacher. I think teaching is the most important. Maybe I'm the greatest. I think humility is the most important. I'm the most humble in this group. Maybe I'm the greatest. Jesus says, "Y'all paying attention back there?" Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What am I talking about? They're gonna struggle. Human beings think of significant things in significant places with significant people, which is right. But their image is wrong. He says, when you were with these people, you were with me. Service to those in desperately escalating needs. Scripture continues in verse 37. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. 
So here's your last phrase of the day. An unpleasant surprise. You ever get that doorbell ring when you're in your pajamas? Front doorbell? And uh, your car's in the driveway. People know you're there. The lights are on. We're either going to have to play like we didn't hear it, change rather quickly, or answer the door in our pajamas. None of those are a solid option. When someone surprises us in any way, shape, or form, I've always heard that um, surprised people behave badly. We need to communicate. So those who are doing the right thing in whatever uh, realm it is are rarely pleased with their effort. You ever notice that? You say, that was really great. Well, I don't know. You know we, meant we were trying to do this and it didn't work out. So when he says, when you were serving those people, you were serving me. You know what those people thought? Oh, man, that was you? It'd be frightening. Those that aren't as concerned with excellence but have total propensity to comment on how something wasn't that great would be really mad that the instructions weren't clear and he didn't say it was him. You should, if you would have told me that that was you, I would have done something. I mean, what they did was dumb, but I mean, I, would, I might have done something better. I didn't want to do it. But if you told me, surprise people, and frighten people that he's saying I was there. The question is, why are we surprised? Because we get distracted. We get distracted from what the text says, who we're supposed to associate with, what we're supposed to say, how we're supposed to serve. There's just so many beautiful, sparkly things that distract us, and I'm prone to it too. But the thing that draws us in is constant communication about Jesus' primary purposes. Serving these people. When I hear Don describe that place, it frightens me on a level that I can't fathom. Of I don't know how many people are walking in the door today. How many people are walking? Are there 25 walking in today? Are there 225 walking in today? Because we've made a pledge that we're going to feed every single one of them that walks in the door. That fear would be enough to deter me easily from not wanting to disappoint or waste food or do any of that stuff. He says, guess what? Your fears aren't the point. Your purpose is the point. Welcome people in. Give them something to eat. Give them encouragement. It's not complicated and making sure that people know that they matter. Jesus knew that food mattered so much. He used a table, and he used food to display his most important concept. I'm here. I'm going to sacrifice for you. And you who are kind of on the level of betraying me, if not absolutely already have, you who are pretty good, but occasionally think about yourself and who's the greatest. You who um, uh, say that you will no question, without fear, defend me, but you're going to have a hard time when it really matters. I'm going to serve every one of you. And I'm not going to serve you with this stuff that no one even cares about. Here's this thing. We don't even use it. Might, you might want to check the expiration date. I'm going to serve you with this 
critically important thing that comes from me. This bread and this cup matter. So I invite you to the table this morning. I invite you to come with your hands presented as if it were a gift, an offering. I invite you to recognize how significant it is that you're invited to the table and to think henceforth, who can I invite to the table? Who can I encourage? You say, well, you know, I tried to volunteer at Soup Kitchen, but their schedule doesn't match up with my schedule. Um, is there someone in your workplace that looks kind of down, that looks upset, that looks deeply tired, that looks bored, that looks discouraged in any way, shape, or form? You can invite them to a meal. The meal that we all share collectively today can happen in some form at Chick-fil-A, Wendy's, Fuddruckers, uh, Panera. One way, shape, or another, you can share a table with another person and offer Christ's love to them. Think about these simple ways that we can do that and do it in the name of God for the least of these because that's exactly where Jesus would be. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for the beautiful, powerful things in your creation and the way that they inspire us and renew us. But we are also grateful to serve the weakest because we know that you first served us. We know that you loved us before we ever did a thing. And we know that you call us to love others before their action or response. Draw us together at this table, Lord, as one family, that we may take the power of this table outside these doors. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Please stand and join me in our modern affirmation. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope, in life, in death, in life beyond death, God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. I invite you to remain standing for the first part of our communion liturgy. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. We confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. And we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. 
you know how something happens in a relationship that you're in and someone was uh, grumpy about it and you don't bring it up for like three weeks or ever? You just bring maybe like six months from now somebody does something and then you go, well, six months ago you, uh, you left a cup on the table and I told you, don't leave a cup on the table. Acknowledging the ways that we fall short collectively. Making sure that we understand that we have fallen short of our goals is critically important. But equally important is the notion of forgiveness once we have acknowledged it. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That that proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Please be seated. It's now time to give our tithes and other offerings. And I encourage you uh, to sign our attendance sheet and let us know if there's any way that we can contact you.
service of the communion. I want to emphasize to you that in the United Methodist Church, all who want to come forward for Holy Communion are welcome to do so. In this service, we serve by intinction, meaning one of us will give you a piece of bread, the other one will be holding a cup, and as you go past the person with the cup, if you'll dip the bread into the cup and then eat it, should you eat it, we'll give you another one. Don't worry about it. We also have uh, gluten-free elements. If you require gluten-free elements, they're right here. And we encourage you to come there uh, as you're coming in the line and grab that before you come. Jesus took the very simplest of items, bread and wine, and he made the most critical promise, a continued pledge to his people that has continued till today. He said, take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup. He gave thanks to God. He gave it to his disciples and he said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, a new promise, a new opportunity, a new way forward not rebelling against what they had ever done in God's name, but completely fulfilling everything that God had promised. We participate in this meal today because we were invited by God. Come to the table.
will come down the center and go to the outside. And watch your cord if you're on this side.
Would you stand and sing with us? of the band all throughout the summer to give them critical, critical breaks. We're grateful for y'all for um, getting to hear different voices of y'all singing. Thank you. And Don uh, singing or playing on the harp in non-traditional worship playing that song. That's pretty stout. You're not going to hear that anywhere else. That's pretty cool. Thank you, Don, for joining us today. Simple, simple things. How can we offer a meal? How can we offer a listening ear? How can we offer a word of encouragement in the name of our God? Go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen.
Y'all have a great week.